It's season four of Air Check, and throughout season four, we're presenting four-part series all season long. And on this Air Check episode, we're happy to welcome radio programmer and consultant Buzz Knight. This is part one of a four-part series with Buzz, where throughout our conversation, he tells us about some of his favorite in-studio interviews, other radio talent he has helped develop, some AM radio ideas, and his own podcast project. Let's begin. Welcome to AirCheck Season 4, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. Buzz Knight is currently founder and head of strategy and innovation at Buzz Knight Media, where he's also launched a podcast of his own entitled Taking a Walk. Based out of Boston, Mass., he's got tales to tell from the Northeast Corridor to Dayton and Columbus, Ohio. On this Air Check session, part one, Buzz talks about the new audio renaissance. Audio is not easy, and there needs to be more thought and detailed work put in on the creation of audio because you just can't throw stuff against the wall. His first program director gig at WRKI. The Firm from I-95 FM. It's 516. They, I guess they named themselves that because they felt this whole rock and roll thing was like a corporation. While also moonlighting at the legendary WNEW in New York. 1027 WNEW FM. Your first choice for rock and roll. Deep Purple knocking at your door. Money for nothing from Dire Straits and Bruce. Born to Run. And how he managed morning show talents Dave and Chuck the Freak in Detroit and Preston and Steve in Philadelphia during his time as Senior Vice President at Greater Media. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Dave, Chuck the Freak, and Lisa Wang. Everybody who voted for the President and Steve show, and even if you didn't vote, if you've been a listener of the show, we want to thank you for that. Let's hear it for Buzz Knight. It's so great to uh, to be with you guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me on AirCheck. I'm really excited. Buzz, you and I go back a few years. I joined Greater Media in 2009 via Ben FM. You were already part of that great leadership team and for many years prior. And the subsequent years during the Beasley Media days. So many things Paul and I want to talk to you about uh, during those days, uh, especially your current project, the Taking a Walk podcast, and essentially your crystal ball when it comes to audio, audio content, innovation, strategy, and the platforms from which it's delivered. You've been a member of so many committees over the years. You've invested a lot of time and energy and have become a champion for a clearer and more sustainable path for radio when it comes to its future. So with that said, I'd like to start off and ask you a kind of chicken or the egg question. What is more important at this crossroads for radio? Is it talent transformation or is it better accurate audience measurement? Well, I think you can't really separate them. I'm not trying to uh, give you a consultant answer here, but I think uh, honestly, um, talent transformation and the investment in talent uh, remains a critical priority, no doubt about it. Uh, But conversely, I do think uh, audience measurement is something that uh, uh, needs to be challenged uh, by organizations. Uh, And we've seen this go on, certainly with uh, television. Um, There's a lot of noise going on around measurement in television. And uh, I think concurrently, 
uh, radio has to think in the same way. And you got to throw content creation into the mix too, right? Innovation in that area is also key to reach the audience that has this split attention span, something that's always been at your core. You've always been one to explore new areas of technology. Your love of the Consumer Electronics Show comes to mind. And I want to get into some of that uh, in a little bit. But, you know, something shifted as we moved into the 21st century. The pace at which new things are coming has been getting out of hand. I mean, you can't keep up. Would you agree? I would agree. It's overwhelming. And some of it really is exciting. And some of it has redundancy, obviously. There's a lot of me too and following that we see more and more competitively within categories. But it's overwhelming. And I think the thing that uh, comes to mind certainly is how, you know, audio, uh, even though I like using the term radio, but let's use audio is experiencing this great renaissance. That's terrific. And look at all the me too that's come up there, whether it's what Clubhouse has created, whether it's certainly what you know Twitter and Facebook and uh, other platforms have also done with regard to audio. And uh, at the core, I think audio is not easy and there needs to be more thought and detailed work put in on the creation of audio because you just can't throw stuff against the wall. I think back to the day when the music industry moved to CD, compact disc from the vinyl and cassette era, the mid-80s. The audio renaissance, like you say, back then was in a form of media that focused on delivering a better quality of product when it came to the quality of sound and the longevity of the media. I mean, CDs were supposed to last forever, and most have, but so have some of my records and cassettes. Uh, But radio quickly made that shift as well. So much so, giving the compact disc kind of center stage. This is I-95. There's the Who from Compact Disc getting in tune, getting in tune here, just revving up, kind of revving up here with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, very special, very special guest. Ooh. There you are, Buzz, at WRKI, I-95 in Connecticut. I think it was mid-80s, 85. Uh, and you're making a big deal about playing something off of Who's Next on CD. Oh, and by the way, you're also interviewing Jerry Seinfeld. Be into the new technology, new tech yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm a total tech. When when <laughs> when high tech becomes passe, I'll be the first one to know because I'm way out there on the front leading edge of it. You are. Oh yeah. You're the first to everything, pick up all these items, gadgets, and whatnot. Everything I everything I own is black with a flashing red light on it. <laughs> <laughs> everything. That's you. Yeah. I think Jerry was channeling his parents to a degree because so much of his content uh, was about <laughs> his odd look at uh, his parents, who I'm sure he loved, but it brought him a great sense of comedy. So I think he was maybe channeling a little bit of his parents at that time. That's my suspicion. Tell us a little bit about having Jerry Seinfeld arrive in the studio. I mean, like Rich is saying, it's mid-80s. He was doing appearances on Johnny Carson at the time in the late night talk show circuit. And you know, the Seinfeld television show wasn't even around yet. So you've got this guy that arrives in your studio doing, uh, I guess, a a comedy stop somewhere in the area of uh, Danbury for the weekend. What was that like? I mean, right now, you know, the the DJs get fed, all right, ask them these questions, it'll set up their bits. And this guy was so fresh and new. What, What was that like having him walk through the door? Oh, man. 
I got chills just thinking about it, just remembering that moment. The electricity certainly was uh, really just uh, just so so there. It was so evident. I, I was a big fan of his, as I was many of the other comedians that, that came through, coming up from actually the Treehouse Comedy Club in Westport, Connecticut. So I really was impressed with how uh, it was a craft for him. It wasn't really anything that he took with any sort of flip nature at all. He was very businesslike in many, many regards, which I also somewhat appreciated. Maybe at the time I didn't understand what that all meant, but he was very precise, uh, businesslike, focused on the task at hand. But there was an electricity that uh, when these guys came through the door that really, I hope, got transferred over the air when the interviews occurred. You know, I saw Jeopardy. Ooh. Wouldn't you like to just Ooh. stop these contestants every once in a while and go, excuse me, I would like to know how the hell you knew that. <laughs> yeah. What do you do in the course of a normal day that the Treaty of Versailles comes up? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's true. You know, these people are far too ahead of their time. It's amazing. Right? Or behind their time. But we don't humiliate them enough like we used to. We used to really, you know, first the guy would blow the question and they would just haul him away. Remember they had those sets that would just slide? They don't, you don't see that anymore. I, I kind of miss that. Thank you very much, Bob. We don't need you anymore. You know, they just, and he's just gone, you know. Uh, you've been involved in so many situations of talent transformations over the years. Your involvement with Dave and Chuck the Freak at the Rift, WRIF in Detroit, and Preston and Steve from WMMR in Philadelphia come to mind. A two-part question here. First, talk about your roles as Senior Vice President for Greater Media and subsequent Vice President for Beasley Media and what you were tasked to do when it came to talent development and content strategy. And second... How would you like to see that investment be made for radio's future? So I was part of the, uh, the, the corporate group, and really we worked specifically with the market managers and ultimately the teams that were in place in each of the markets. And the job was uh, fairly simple, help them grow their ratings or help them maintain strong ratings. So during that time, certainly, there was research that would always be done on the marketplace, on the various radio stations, uh, their brand strength, and where the personalities really fit into all, all of that. You know, as part of that became the you know, ultimate investigation of what possibilities could exist that would uh, be you know, personality hires, brand enhancements, things of those nature. And it was a very tricky balance because, you know, in the case of certainly uh, Detroit and WRIF, they had a number one show at that time, which was the Drew and Mike show. Unfortunately, it is the end of an era for many longtime Detroit radio listeners this morning. I know it's hard to believe because happening right now, Drew and Mike are on the airwaves. This is their last day at WRIF. And 7 Action News reporter Nima Shafay is in. Highly rated, but in the, in the research that we would regularly look at every year, we kept seeing this show pop up out of Canada, and it was growing and growing and growing in the images, certainly against the WRIF. So that was a, quite a intense decision process because you had a franchise and essentially you were trying to replace it with a franchise or a soon to be franchise. Hey, what's going on everyone? It's Dave, Chuck the Freak, and Lisa Way. So happy to announce that our next adventure begins Tuesday, May 28th, right here on 101 WRIF. I don't think that's ever happened where a number one show was replaced and then the next show was number one. In the case of Preston and Steve, certainly, WMMR had, uh, had certainly fallen on some challenging times 
as an amazing brand that it was then and still is obviously to this day. So it needed to do something in the morning and it had some failed exercises in the morning and it certainly had not had a franchise morning show. Um, This is not even a joke that we were recently nominated to be in the Broadcasters (laughs) Hall of Fame (laughs) in Chicago later on this year. We were even called a legendary show. I'm not kidding you at (laughs) all. We should really make you suspect of any voting organization. Obviously, we were very familiar uh, with that show and over time got to know them prior to making that move. And then, of course, there was some trickiness that went on in terms of their previous employers. And there was a bit of the lawyers being involved with uh, those things. But, uh, you know, in both cases, certainly tremendously honored to be part of that team, you know, and that collaboration that brought talent like that on board. You guys, Preston and Steve, are in the Radio Hall of Fame. Wow. <laughs> Uh, It is overwhelming news, to say the least. Uh, Bill isn't breaking that we knew, we actually knew yes. about it, but uh, but we couldn't re- reveal the information until now. But uh, yeah, we're we're humbled. We're we're blown away by this, and we want to thank you. Everybody who voted for the President Steve Show, and even if you didn't vote, if you've been a listener of the show, we want to thank you for that because obviously that contributes to this as well because we wouldn't have gotten the recognition in the first place had we not had an amazing fan base. You're listening to Season 4 of Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. Rich and Paul have lined up another roster of guests just as compelling as Seasons 1, 2, and 3. Air Check Season 1 includes conversations with Eddie Trunk, Danny Bonaducci, Nina Blackwood, and more. Air Check, available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. Buzz, as you know, managing morning shows can sometimes be managing uh, a room full of kindergartners. They're not always the easiest. Do you have anybody over the years you would say, these guys were actually the easiest to manage, these guys were the biggest challenge to manage? I think any great talent has to be a challenge to manage in some form because then they're not great talent. So I think there's nuances. They're all a little bit different. So I've been very fortunate in that regard where the nuances have been very manageable and that's even being kind. I mean, I really, it's, I'm hard pressed to come up with the difficult examples. Probably the most difficult ones (laughs) probably were with um, the talk station that we had in Boston, WTKK. News Talk 96.9. News Talk 96.9. FM News Now. A very challenging format, a group of personalities to manage through challenging times. I would say there's a lot of uh, scars on my back from that <laughs> from that experience, certainly. And then conversely, you know, back to President Steve, who were such a tremendous group to work with. Same with Dave and Chuck the Freak as well. Lauren and Wally, who were uh, WROR, just a tremendous group to be able to uh, to manage. A lot of people want to say hi to you, Wally. Uh, go ahead, Rich. Hey, Wally, congratulations. Seven or eight years ago, we went out to lunch, and uh, I wanted to talk to the man, the legend, and the first thing I asked you was, how do you do it? After all these years, how do you still have a love of radio and get up every morning wanting to go to work? And your answer was, uh, I don't. I lost that years ago. If it wasn't for Lauren, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. So. Morning, Wally. Mornings, 105.7 WROR. Knowing that whole 
you know, walking the tightrope with them and knowing that they're all different took me a while to come to that conclusion. I probably thought about it where you've got to manage them all differently. You've got to, you know, just deal with them with consistency, but their differences and finding that balance took me some time. I remember the great Charles Lacquadera, who was with me at WZLX when he first came into me and and my office early on. And he had 84 questions, as Charles always did. And I was a little aggravated. And he stopped me right there. I'll never forget it. And he said, why are you aggravated that we're coming in and talking to you? I said, no, I'm not. I just got this thing to do and this thing to do, you know, moving forward. And his comment was, you know what, when we're not coming in to talk to you is when you should worry. So you ought to really take it with, you know, some uh, gratitude that we're communicating with you. And I always remembered that. And to this day, it really taught me a lot. Charles Laquadera first got his gig at WBCN when then disc jockey Peter Wolf left to sing with the Jay Giles Band. Over the course of his 25 years there, on a show he dubbed The Big Mattress, he employed some radical broadcasting ideas, like mixing music with news and talk and politics and humor, the beginnings of what we now know as drive-time radio. Lockwoodera spent his last few years in the Boston market at WZLX before retiring to Maui. There comes a time for everyone, I would hope, who's in radio or on the radio when you reach a remarkable moment. Buzz, you and I are part of that rare, fortunate group of radio personalities that landed a gig in New York City. One of the highlights of my career, if not the highlight. I was doing weekends at then Pure Rock Q104.3 from 1994 to 1996, which is now Classic Rock and has been successfully since 1996. And during your time as the program director and on air at I-95 in Connecticut, you were also doing weekends at WNEW. Wow. Talk about the talent on that legendary radio station. I mean, Scott Muni, Pat St. John, Dennis Elsis, Carol Miller. We can go on. Oh, it's a tremendous honor. I grew up listening to the station. So this would be the equivalent of you gentlemen growing up listening to WMMR. It'd be that same equivalent. So I grew up listening to NEW and it was an incredible privilege and honor when Charlie Kendall, who was the program director, brought me on to do weekends. It was an electric atmosphere just being in that building, in that studio. Of course, you also had WNEW AM, which was in the building, which was fairly legendary to its own right in terms of who it had there and the personalities that were part of of that particular uh, radio station as well. I mean, it's 17 after one at WNEW. Here's Steve Allen. Thank you very much. And that means here's Henry Morgan. Thank you very much. When Steve Allen, a legendary TV personality, is your midday guy at NEWAM, that's pretty remarkable. But on NEWFM, I mean, you know, getting to know Scott Muni was just this tremendous honor. This is 1027 WNEWFM, the place where rock lives here in New York City. We're just about ready to say... London. Um, because, of course, tomorrow, Scottso starts off the broadcast live from London, in fact, with Dave Clark tomorrow, and here to tell you about that and well, some of the other goings-on in London. Scottso, are you there? I am right here. How are you doing, buddy? Doing uh, just uh, excellent. Hey, Kosak, is it true that we uh, heard a rumor that you're setting heat wave records? Oh, it has in... been Scorchville. Well, I'm, I'm sure glad I'm not there then. <laughs> Because it's been a very pleasant day in London. It's never really that hot or anything, but it will be uh, warm all next week. And as long as you mention Dave Clark, he will be here tomorrow. And to this day, I can't believe I had that opportunity. And the, the whole group that was there, I mean, I still talk to Dennis Elsis, who's just an amazing talent and has so much history in that marketplace. And 
Carol Miller and the Nears, Dan and Richard. And it's just an incredible time. And then uh, after Charlie left as program director, he had brought on Mark Chernoff to be his music director and I think APD. And then you know, getting to work for Mark Chernoff, who's just an amazing guy as well. Just a tremendous privilege to be part of that radio station. And uh, every moment that I set foot and turned that microphone on, I was a nervous wreck, but in a good way. It was that electric energy that happens when you're in a special situation. So it was a tremendous time. And I got to imagine just saying those call letters time and time again, must have been, on its own right, the hugest thrill. The place where rock lives, 1027 WNEW-FM. There oh, it God, is. Yeah. So cool. More to come with Buzz in our four-part series. In our next episode, Buzz tells us why he left the New York Metro radio market to head back to the Buckeye State to program WLVQ. And while there, how that radio station was part of the very first rock concert at Ohio Stadium. And his interviews with David Gilmore of Pink Floyd, Mel Blanc, and his run-in with Howard Stern. You can follow us, stream, and download every episode of Air Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. If you haven't done so, give us a great rating. We'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Air Check Me. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. Closing out another episode of Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. If you have radio stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join the AirCheck guest list. Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. AirCheck is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. AirCheck is the creation of RDPK Productions.